We're back. Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. I'm your host, James Orr. And joining me as always, Bob the Bowhunter Borland. What is up, Bob? How much? How you doing, James? Oh man, I'm doing pretty good. The rain has finally gone away for the day. It's a dry day down here on the coast. Uh, how's it looking up there in the valley? Yeah, it dried out. So it was pouring yesterday, cleared off. It's black tail season still up here. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pouring yesterday, and the day before that, and the day before that, and the day before that, and the day before. Yeah, it seems like it's really raining a lot already. Yeah, yeah. I got a little window here. We we uh, I'm gonna be moving my stuff out of the storage unit today, so I'm glad for the window of sunny weather so i don't have to trailer everything bob's finally moving out of his parents house congratulations <laughs> bob yeah yeah after i have to remodel the new house we just spent a fortune on my wife you know uh, didn't say anything about that till we go over there tonight last night we got the keys and she's like oh i think we should uh change the kitchen I'm like, kitchens are expensive to change, honey. I'm not a cabinet maker. I'm a plumber, you know, like, <laughs> oh, goodness. So I don't think we'll be moving in too soon, but I'm just going to get my stuff out of storage. So I don't have to pay that bill. Copy that. And I'm leaving so, to go hunting again next week. So uh, not going to be much remodeling going on for a while. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're going hunting again. So you went on an out-of-state trip. Um, what, you were gone for a week 10 days was that last week or it was right before thanksgiving huh? yeah yeah that week before thanksgiving i went uh went on a late season mule deer hunt and then i'm um, home for a week or so did a little family stuff i gotta work a day or two and then well, uh, i'm heading back out well let's let's get into the the first hunt was for mule deer and yep. and uh why don't we uh, get into that a little bit and give us the the you know the ups and downs the highs right. and lows. Well, um, this is about the third year I've hunted this same area, and like all hunting, I think you think you have it figured out, and then something changes. So this year, the area we'd been hunting, uh, they got a little more snow before we got there than they had the previous years, and and there was a few deer still left up higher, but. Uh, but after our second night of hunting that higher country, we had a legit like blizzard. I mean, it dumped like a foot of snow in an hour. I mean, it was crazy. And then, and then the deer just kind of moved out of there. So we we kind of found a little secondary spot where they held up in for a few more days, like two days. We had two days of good hunting down there, and then again there was a few left. But then they all moved somewhere else where we never really found. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good hunt. My buddy Brian shot a little three-point, and uh, we saw a lot of deer. But, you know, all the spots I took, I bought one of those lone wolf stands this year, one of the hand climbers, and all my little honey holes I had picked out the last couple of years, uh, I did, we moved areas. So... I ended up sitting in a couple of my old spots the first two days, but like I said, there wasn't much many deer left. We had some wicked weather that second day. It was the first time I ever hunted in like a legitimate blizzard. And, uh, you know, you watch the movies, it's kind of sketchy. We were up that evening, actually knowing the wind was going to be blowing 40 
I just went out and still hunted kind of a patch of timber. Me and my buddy split up and, and we left the truck and it, it was still pretty calm and, uh, got way up on the ridge and, and that heavy timber just still hunt my way through there. And, and then here come that storm, man. And it was insane. I mean, you couldn't see between the snow that was blowing and the snow blowing off the trees and, uh, you couldn't see like five feet in front of your face and, there was no fresh deer tracks up there because I think the deer had already mostly moved out of there. And, and yeah, I wussed out after about an hour of that. I went back to the truck, you know, I made my way back down the mountain and my buddy's uh, 14 year old son, he was with us too. And he stayed at the truck. He was just going to hunt around the truck there. And he's like, Oh, I didn't even get out. And, and then, and then Brian came back shortly thereafter. He had a tree fall down right next to him and stuff. And like I said, it snowed probably a foot while we were out hunting and we were already my buddy's got a land cruiser all built up you know on 35s and we were already chained up on 35s to get up there where we were hunting so we're like man we better get out of here if we can and and uh we made it out of there had a little tree a couple trees fall down on the road we had to mess around with for a while and it was a long night but so you you had some trees. I seen an Instagram video you'd put up on your uh, Bob the Bowhunter page. You, you guys had some trees down, and you had no chainsaws. Is that, is that right? Yeah, we had. Uh, luckily, there was some guys um, where we came down. The trees were actually down in the bottom, and uh, there was a couple guys on a ranger up there. You know, one of those quad deals, and they were behind us, and they had a little like uh, handsaw, and we had one of the little Gerber hatchets. And, and the way the trees fell, we're like, well, if we could cut the ends off of them that are wedged in these other trees, we should be able to winch it out with, with my buddy's winch. And so, yeah, we just, we got, got about halfway through it enough to where to break when we winched it and took, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. And we're luckily we were able to get out of that one. So yeah, a little lesson, always have a chainsaw on those late season hunts. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the next day, um, we went down to some lower country. Actually, I I just took the seat of that hand climber because I'm like, well, I don't even know where I'm hunting, but I can throw that on my pack, and it's even lighter. And then if I get in a spot, I can just sit down on a tree, you know, ground level and hunt. So I I went up a canyon, and I, I found a pretty good spot where there's there's tons of deer tracks from that morning, you know, and uh, – and I sat there for a couple hours, um, nothing came by. And so anyway, finding that spot the next day, I hiked back in there, took my whole get up with me and it was like 13 that morning, pretty chilly. And I got up in the tree, uh, I was kind of climbing little Aspen trees. So they were pretty, pretty cold and frozen, you know, with all that stuff. And, and that hand climber, um, one thing that's different from what I'm used to, I always go with the the fixed stands, is when you stand up, if you bump that seat, it just falls down, you know, because there's your weight's what holds it on the tree, especially on those aspens, because it doesn't really dig in real well. And so I was kind of monkeying around with that and trying to figure out exactly what I could get away with, you know on the movement. Cause when I had it, I had it in a fir tree a couple days prior and it was fine, you know, kind of dug in there good enough. I didn't notice that both that Aspen, I really noticed that. And I had 
the platform on that thing so small and I was wearing my big rubber boots, you know, like 1200 gram insulation. So it was so cold. And anyway, long story short, I had about nine o'clock, uh, a little spike and a couple does came by, by and that spike was chasing a hot doe. So I thought, sweet, something's got to come back by. And sure enough, like an hour later, um, the doe came back down the draw and a four, you know, decent little four point was on her right on her. And, and they came right down. They were going to go right under my tree stand, which would have been perfect. I could have shot them sitting down, but she got within about 10 yards and she saw my pack and I even had my pack, you know, it was covered in snow and I had my snow camel little jacket over it and I put it in like an aspen bush, but she still picked that up or maybe she smelled it. I don't know, but just enough to where she kind of stopped for a second and then she turned to go off to my right. And if you know, you know, from tree stand hunting, James, that hard right hand side when you're, you know, right hand shooters, yeah, it's pretty tough to shoot off of. So, but still, if you, if I stand up, I can swing to the right and shoot. So they're right 10 yards behind me and they're going to come and I have like one little window to, to shoot after this tree where they go down across the draw and then I'm out. So I had, I couldn't stand up when they were behind me cause you know, their peripheral vision, they would have saw me. So I had to kind of wait till they came right under me before I could stand and swing and draw. So, I mean, they're literally coming right under me to my right and I, I'm picking my spot and I, I stand up to turn to shoot and I, I guess I wasn't paying enough attention to exactly where my feet were and I, <laughs> I stand up and turn to shoot and I, I just remember picking my spot like oh you're so you're so I got you you know it's so awesome he even grunted like when they started to walk again he he gave that doe a little grunt and here they come and I, oh man and, and when I stood up turned to shoot and the next thing I know I I slipped off the end of my tree stand and I went over head over <laughs> heels and and of course I had a real long leash on my harness because when I was climbing I'm like oh this is perfect you know I can slide this way up I tied a little you know half double fisherman's in there so it'd cinch and I'd slide it way up and go down so I probably had a four or five foot leash of rope plus my plus what was already on the harness you know it's another what two or three feet and so <laughs> I go plowing off the side of that thing it catches me and I swing around and I'm like holy crap I just fell and and I swing around to catch myself on the tree and I look up and there the buck is. He's standing there looking at me like 35 yards away, like, what the heck? And, uh, I'm like, great. Well, I'm just stuck here now. And, and did you I'm, drop, did you drop your bow? Oh or? yeah. Everything went. I mean, I just, it's funny, you know, guys <laughs> will say, you don't remember what happened. I don't even remember what happened. I just remember going over backwards and just being like, holy smokes. You know, next thing I know I'm hanging there and, and you the, fell like five feet. Yeah, probably, probably a little further. I mean, it's far enough. I had to climb back up the rope to get to the base of my tree stand to pull myself back up. Um, uh, cause Bob, I mean, for a minute good. there, I thought I'm just hanging there. I'm like, great. It's like 12 degrees out. I look around and I'm like, my buddy, he's not coming for, he wouldn't come look for me till hours after dark. You know, I'm like, huh, I'd be sucked to kind of freeze to death hanging on this tree. And then, but then I remembered I have a, I had a pocket knife, so I could have, always cut myself down and, and shimmy down the aspen tree. And, and so I tried to shimmy up the tree, but it was so frozen and slick. I couldn't really do that. So I just kind of between shimmying and grabbing that rope, I was able to pull myself up just enough to reach my left hand up and get back on the, 
the platform and I pulled myself up and then I got all up there and the buck was still not far off, you know, but, but now I'm like, I don't even have my bow. I'm looking around on the ground for my bow and it's, it's like 10, 10 yards off to my left and, and my arrows right under the stand. And, and so then I had to climb back down, round up all my stuff. And then I actually, I climbed back up and sat, uh, for a few more hours and I had another nice little four point come by stood in the exact spot where that one, where that doe had looked at my pack and stopped. And I wasn't, I couldn't spin around far enough to get a shot. And then another buck actually came down and they kind of did the parallel thing up the draw away from me. And then they ran each other around this bush. I mean, they were only like 40 yards away. And that was the first time I heard a deer actually snort and wheeze. He did it three different times at this other buck as he was chasing it around the bush real loud and and it was cool. It was just an awesome morning besides the part where I fell and should have shot a deer. But other than that, it was, it was the best minus, morning I had tree stand hunting. You know, I saw four bucks that morning. So minus the biggest disaster to man, woman, and child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. But that, you know, the, the funny thing is I'm, I always wear a harness, but I usually don't wear like a full body harness. You know, I'll usually like, I'm such a redneck, you know, I'll cut, I usually cut the leg things off because I have so many clothes on and I'm like, oh God, I, you know, I can't even get to the things and that's not I, good, Bob. Yeah. And I was, I was in the, in the hotel, like the night before season, getting all my stuff ready with, you know, my buddy is there and I was about to cut the leg things off this harness and he's like, dude, maybe you should leave those on there. And I'm like, oh dude, really? Like you're going to make me feel bad now. And he's like, yeah, I'd leave them on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. And so sure enough, I'm glad I did because that could have been worse for sure. Yeah, because what happens is that you just end up hanging yourself. Like, yeah. It slides <laughs> yeah. around your neck, and then there you are just like, ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so always wear your harness. And, and, uh, and, and put your tether about four or five feet above your head. Yeah, and see, that's so, another thing. I usually, I usually put it. So literally it's tight enough that I can kind of lean on it. You know, like I usually keep it that tight when I'm in my other stand. So, so I'm never really worried about falling cause I'm always kind of leaning. I think just, you know, I've been so used to that over the years when I went to shoot at this buck, I just, that's all, you know, I just went off of what I've done forever and I just right. fell. <laughs> yeah. So. I usually have mine tight enough that when I go to sit down, it's almost kind of pulling up on my shirt. Yeah. Uh, and so that when you fall, you fall like, eight inches yeah. not five feet yeah exactly falling yeah. five or six feet but it was fine i mean it was, i had at the same time i had on the opposite ridge you know probably 200 yards away maybe a little less there was a big nice three by four with some does over there and then on the ridge behind me there was also another little group and so when i fell man <laughs> Everything in the country was like, what in the heck is going on down there? <laughs> but <laughs> right. That doesn't look like an Aspen brand. Yeah, no, it doesn't. That deer is probably still, tell, still telling the stories to all his buddies right now. Like, man, you wouldn't believe what I saw the other day. This guy just came flying out of a tree, threw his bow at me. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that was a good day. And then after that, like I said, we had a couple good days down there, which was the day before it when I found that spot and then the day I had that stand and then I sat there the next day till one and nothing, man, it was just dead. I think 90% of the deer moved out of there. So and, uh, it sounds like it's not only weather dependent, but it sounds to me from, you know, from the outside looking in that you're 
positioning yourselves like kind of in the migration areas. So they're there for a few days and they move off and then you got to keep moving down to stay on the deer. Is that? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of, that's kind of how it goes. And then, but once they go down far enough, we haven't figured out exactly where they go from there because it's pretty open country from there. And you think you'd see them all over and, and, uh, there's, but the hard thing is there's still a few of them left up there and it seems like the bigger ones were up there till the end, but I don't know if you've ever hunted late season mule deer, but it's hard hunting an area when there's not quite a few deer around because your odds are going to be pretty tough. The snow is super crunchy. It's, you know, it's big country. And so going up and hunting the last remaining buck on these mountains is kind of tough, you know, especially the stick bow. I've hunted late season elk, um, in the crunchy snow with my bow. And so I, I do, I do know what you're saying. Uh, it's 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 difficult um but with elk at least you can track them and kind of run into a herd but so i know that there was a big winter kill all over the west last year so that yeah, must have they, affected they said uh the area we hunted we talked to the game cop there and he said they lost half their deer um so that probably didn't help either but we actually you know i those late season hunts are super dependent on the weather now last year we had no snow up high and there was five guys in camp last year, all of them pretty good hunters besides myself and my dad probably. And, uh, and we didn't have near the opportunities we had this year. So even with twice as many deer, supposedly the snow just hadn't pushed them down. So the snow pushing them down is a good thing. And we got enough this time to where it really pushed them down to where, you know, like I said, you think you got it figured out. You know, we had, I had all these spots in my head of, you know, where they've been the last couple of years and, and, uh, they moved down even lower. So just hunting, man, just trying to figure it out. But that stand, even though it, you know, I, and like I just posted on our Instagram thing today, like Boren Womack, I can see where he said he's scared of those things, <laughs> but, but it is super slick, man. I was very impressed with how light it is and how quiet it is like putting that thing on the tree and climbing the tree. I mean, it is, it is an awesome tool to have. It's just a different tool and you got to get used to it. You know, the, I think it's really good for hunting that country. That's not so steep where I'm hunting, especially when those deer move down lower, I'm coming in from the bottom and hiking up, you know, a thousand feet in elevation and doing that when it's 14 degrees, packing your tree stand, packing your harness, packing your warm clothes, packing all that stuff. I mean, it's just a nightmare. So did, did you feel limited on the trees that you could go in with the climber stand? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, especially I don't like to make a ton of noise. So if, if there wasn't kind of Aspen country, I would have been really limited. Um, but there's all, you know, there's, there's some, like I said, there, it, it's a different tool. I like, I think I personally, for the hunting I'm doing like next year, my plans to go over there a few days early and set up some stands <laughs> because I like, even though that stands super light, I just like to have a, you know, it's just one less thing to pack. And like I said, if I'm climbing up serious elevation and you're trying to not get too sweaty and stay warm and you don't want to be packing 50, 60 pounds of stuff, and then you got to deal with your pack. Once you get up there, you know, I asked, you know, I, I mean, Jason Sankoviak, he said he just leaves his 
pack at the bottom of the tree. And I've never done that before. And I did this time and the thing saw it and, and, you know, I take the pack up with me and I take the, um, the, the chest strap Mm -hmm. and I wrap around the tree and then I clip it and I just clip it to the tree and I put it off to that right hand side where you don't really are able to get a shot. Like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And And it, and and it kind of gives me a, um, uh, a little block, you know, from if deer come around that side and I can get in, in there and pull water or rattling horns or anything I want out of there. And so I, I, I like having my pack hooked to the tree myself. Yeah, I usually do too. But that's, you know, like I said, that's when I'm all set up, you know, I'll have like a hook there for my pack, you know, everything dialed. It's a little, it was just a little different, you know, when you're, you're trying to go up minimal, you know, you don't really, you're not, not preset. Um, another, right. another thing I was talking to a buddy of mine at work and he said to put a little like motorcycle strap on that hand climber portion on the top part, just so once you get it set where you want, just one of those little quick, you know, just tighten oh, straps right. around the seat part. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, not even a ratchet, just a, he said, just like a hand tight one where you can just right. crank it real tight, um, like a tie down on for a motorcycle. Then, then he said, you don't have to worry about if you bump it, it might move a little, but it's not going to fall down. Uh, so I plan on doing that on my next hunt. And, yeah, that's, uh, that's good. now did you get any shots while you were over there? Or? I did. I got one shot. It was the last night. Um, that's kind of a funny story. So my buddy, Brian, he's the opposite of me. He doesn't tree stand hunt. He's just running and gunning decoys. He uses calls and rattles and, you know, he, he does well. Um, but I'm kind of like sneak around and, you know, I don't really trust the call. So we go out, it was the last night we were there. We had his, his son with us and we go out and try to call and decoy and stuff. And we're down on some of the lower country. So it's a little more open and we're messing around and, Finally, right before dark, we see this deer down in the straw below us, and it's it's a you know just a little fork and horn, a decent little buck, and and he's just running around. You could tell he's just rutting hard, and we're up on this are, little knob. Are you in sagebrush country? Yeah, yeah, we're up on this little knob, and he's got his little decoy, and he starts blowing like a fawn bleat and everything, and and the thing's just like man, whatever, it just keeps doing its thing, and I'm like, yeah, those stupid decoys. You know, I'm kind of even giving him crap. Well, then he's like, okay, just you guys get behind me. We'll just cruise down there. And I'm like, okay. So I told Tanz, like, get right on us. So we, it went kind of over this little knob. So we run down there with this decoy and we get right on this little sagebrush knob and he's down in the draw. He's probably like 150 yards away. And, uh, he sees that head, you know, the decoy heads up decoy, you know, like the front view and our little call. And then he's like, starts raking a a little sagebush and, and here he comes. I mean, he took a long time to get there, probably 10 minutes or more, but he worked his way right up to us. I mean, 39 yards and, uh, and I made a good shot as he just took off where my arrow got there. You know, I drew back and he looked up and, and, uh, he, he dug off where my arrow got there and I have two witnesses. They were sitting right next to me. <laughs> so that's <laughs> uh, just the way it goes. And, and, uh, like I said, it was just a, it would have been a good little last night buck though, but, but that's about yeah. it for me. Um, it's hunting. Yeah. Brian, he chased around some big ones. So, and, and you still got, uh, another, um, week, 10 day hunt that you're, <laughs> you're going to go with, uh, some of our buddies to go hunt some whitetails. Yeah. Yeah, first time hunting whitetails, so that should be fun. We'll see how it goes. I'll take uh, I take my climber, 
And then I'm also going to take a couple of my fixed stands and some steps just because. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm super jealous that, that I was supposed to be going on that hunt with you guys. And because of work obligations that I could not get out of, I don't get to go hunt whitetails this year. I'm super bummed. I know you guys are you're going with Carson Brown from Sherwood Shafts and Echo Archery and Andy Ponce from Addictive Archery, and you guys are going to be uh, in camp with Clay Hayes, Twisted Stave. You guys are going to have a blast. I'm super jealous. Yeah, the work gets in the way, all the fun stuff, huh? It does, yeah. yeah. So you've already, why don't you tell us your your blacktail stories? Your your season was short and sweet, huh? Jeez, I know it. I, I thought, well, I don't, I, I don't get to go hunt whitetails with you guys, but at least this blacktail season usually go, is like this elongated, like two, three weeks of of grinding is how it's always been in the, in the past. And I know um, just a couple episodes back on the Norm Johnson uh, interview where we talked blacktails, I did a little intro on my opening night of the season. And so if you guys hadn't listened to that, the, the quick recap on that was that I, within 25 minutes, I had a, uh, a, a buck and uh, some does come in and I ended up getting a shot on opening night and the buck jumped the string and that was that. Was that. And you had uh, made a, a comment uh, of shooting these bucks when they're walking if they're doing a slow walk to, you know, like the Winslow brothers talk about just shooting them when they're walking so that they're not stopped and alert because that, that buck that I'd shot at was very alert. So, uh, to pick up where I left off the second day of season, we had a storm come through and it was Sunday and there was some stuff going on at the house with the, you know, family stuff where the wife was like, Oh, why don't you not hunt today? And I was like, uh, okay. I got a long season ahead of me and a lot of, uh, uh, plans to go hunt down South and with, we only get one tag. So I was kind of like, yeah, I'll take the day off. And so the next day I was like, well, I, I got to go hunting, you know, get up into the stand. I'm itching to get out there and we had a big storm come through and it was blowing like 40, 50 miles an hour and it was raining cats and dogs and elephants outside. And I, I got to the uh, stand in the morning and I'm sitting in my truck and it's like, I can't even see out the windshield. It's raining so hard. It looks like I'm parked under a river and the trees are moving around and I was just totally wussing out, even though I'm always like, yeah, you got to hunt the rain. I I just was, I was like, man, I'm I'm not going to go out in that. I'm going to be so wet right away. And how am I even <laughs> going to shoot? How, I'm like, my arrows are going to get like matted down instantly. And I mean, how would you even shoot an arrow in that? So I, I just sat there and for I think like an hour and a half uh, waiting for it to calm down. And it was blowing really hard. And it finally, it started to calm down where it was just doing r like normal rain. And so I got my gear together and I headed up to the stand and I got up into the stand and it seemed like within two minutes of being in the tree stand, the skies just turned blue and the rain just stopped and the, and the, the wind was still blowing a little bit and the trees were moving around and then that just stopped. And it was like... Uh, 
it was crazy. It was like, wow, that storm, it, it just came to a halt really fast. So I'm in the stand for mm, 45 minutes, and I hear raking up the ridge. And so I was like, oh, man, I got I got a buck coming, and he's just tearing up this tree. And where I hunt, it's it's a jungle. I mean, it's really thick. I'm in a um, – I'm on a transition line between um, reap rod, um, like 25-year-old uh, regrowth dug fir trees, and then there's a, a, like a little myrtle wood grove and some alders, some hardwoods in there. And so these myrtle wood trees have like for I, I don't think they have myrtles anywhere but the west coast. So to describe them, they start off as kind of a bush, but then they become trees. And so they'll they'll be, you know, twelve inches, fifteen inches big around, but they'll be in a cluster of four, ten, fifteen trunks, like you know, twelve trees growing right next to each other. And it's like, a, uh, so I got a bunch of these big clusters of myrtles. So I can't see up the ridge at all, but I can kind of see in between these little myrtle woods. And I see this buck coming down the ridge, like in between, you know, moving my head side to side. And I'm like, okay, yep, that that's a buck. Uh, okay, yep, he's a shooter. He's got, you know, antlers up above his ears and he's not young. And I kind of thought, that it was that uh, big mature three by three with eye guards that I had missed two nights prior was my uh, inclination. So I was like, all right, don't look at his antlers. Don't get excited. I'm kind of talking myself down. And he, he comes around to these myrtles. And as soon as he steps out from the myrtles, I had made the decision that I'm shooting and I'd made the decision that I wasn't going to wait for him to stop. He, he had his nose to the ground, and he was moving like slow motion. And, and there had been a hot doe in the area, and I think he could smell her. And he was nose to the ground, and he was lip curling. And it seemed like the whole play went into slow motion for me, too. Like, he was moving super slow, and I was ready. And I drew back head anchor and I started to lead him and he was quartering to me. I'm leading him. I'm starting to, I, I shoot a clicker. So I'm starting to, to really engage my back muscles and I'm starting to put, put pressure on my back real good. And he's broadside. Now he's going past broadside. He's past broadside. The clicker pops shot breaks the arrow just flew like in slow motion. I mean, I seen it hit. I hit like the, the second furthest back of rib high. I seen the hair like tough go poof. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it was definitely the awesomest situation I'd ever been in bow hunting where it was just fully slow motion and I was present for the shot there was no like blacking out and I like watched that arrow bury into him and just disappear. And he instantly jumped, kicked in the air and ran a million miles an hour into the brush. And I heard smack. And I was like, holy moly. And I know down that trail, there's a big down tree 
and there's a bunch of brush uh, around it. And I kind of like sneak around that tree to get to my stand. And they, the deer kind of have a trail that goes underneath that big downed fir tree. And I thought, man, he just ran through that tree or into that tree. or And I couldn't see because there was another one of those big myrtlewood clusters that I was talking about that he ran into, into, into the jungle. And I instantly, I was like, started shaking. And I was like, that was something else. And I, the first thing I did was I, I got my phone out and I turned it on and I was supposed to be hunting till two o'clock and then going to uh, pick my kids up from school at three o'clock. So I called my wife and I'm like whispering and I'm like, babe, I I need you to take a late lunch break and pick up the kids and take them to your mom's house. (laughs) And she's not too happy about it. She's like, (laughs) what are you talking about? And I'm like, I just shot a buck. And then she, all of a sudden she gets real happy. Cause that means you're done. hunting. <laughs> I'm done hunting. So instantly she's like, Oh, you got one. Oh, this is going to be great. You're going to be home for Thanksgiving this year. And uh tag is filled and she's just all jacked up. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, settle down. I, I haven't put my hands on the horns yet. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta find this buck. And she's like, all right, well, I'll talk to you later. So then the next person I call is you. I call you up and I'm like, man, I got one. And you're like, what? And I'm like whispering. I'm like, yeah, I just shot one. And you're like, well, go, you know, go get him. And I'm like, man, I'm kind of worried about the shot. And you're like, what are you worried about? And I'm like, I don't know. It seemed like it was kind of back. And I mean, hindsight, I knew it was a quartering two shot. So I should have known that, you know, it was perfect. Quartering away, you mean? Quartering away. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. A quartering away shot so i should have known it was perfect but that last visual in my head was back rib yeah. high and i and so i'm thinking oh man is that you know last year i i had made a liver hit and so i'm i'm you know just i don't know you know i'm just worried and you're like oh man you're gonna be just fine it's gonna be it's gonna be just fine and so i i noticed that uh all of a sudden i take notice i'm like oh bob i see my arrow i could see my arrow and you're like you, you, you see your arrow and i'm like yeah man it's in the ground and it is soaked red blood and you're like oh you're good and so i got off the phone with you and i scurried down the tree and i walk over to the arrow and i mean it looked like i painted it it, it was just you could see a picture on our instagram account i mean this this arrow is absolutely bright red uh head to toe it's in the dirt like probably 10 inches buried into the dirt and it's just totally saturated and i just turn my head and i look over and just 15 yards down the trail by that big tree there's my buck just there he is he's he's he done he done <laughs> i mean i think he died within a half a second he, wow. he, i hit him he ran 15 yards and just piled into this tree and died wow that's awesome and so i yeah, I mean, I, this year I was blessed. I mean, my my elk, she ran like sixty yards and then tumbled back down a rocky thing right to me. And so both my elk and my deer, I've never had really had this experience in bow hunting. Usually, you give them an hour and pick up the blood trail and find them an hour later and. Uh, both these animals were steaming hot. Like I open them up and stick my hands in them, and it's like, 
you know, it, it brought me back to like rifle hunting. It was like, man, these things are, this thing is fresh. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, and then the drag out was, and I'm also used to quartering and, and this deer's like, my stand's like 150 yards from my truck, uh, down, <laughs> downhill and he's dead on the trail. So I literally drag him down to the truck and then open him up and drop the guts out and lift him into the truck. And I'm driving down the road. It's so fast. I mean, I could not believe how fast this all came together. It, it actually, I got down the road about 15 minutes driving down the road and I pulled over and like, it seemed like the, the actual like shaking and buck fever and excitement had finally really hit me and I'm already driving home with my, with my buck <laughs> in the truck. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how fast it happens. You know, you hunt for shoot days and days and months and months. And then man, seconds later it's over. Seems easy yeah. when it happens like that. You know, I mean, how many, how many hours did you spend in a tree stand last year? You know, Se seven, I, I log, I log my tree stand sits 75 hours in the stand last year. Yeah. And five hours total this year. Yeah. Yeah. You and gotta, it, that's and a good thing. I know the night, the night before you called me and you're like, man, you know, I, I, when you miss that other buck or maybe it's two nights before you're like, I don't know. I, I, I passed him right away and then he came back and then he was nervous and I decided to shine. I'm like, yeah, man, you can't pass up a nice three point black tail, dude. You know, like that's a hard one to do. So yeah, uh, the buck, I might've talked buck, you into shooting that one a little bit. Well, and I appreciate you did. Cause, uh, I, I couldn't be more happy. The buck that I missed the first night, was actually a bigger, more mature buck, which I'm not. I'm not. A, I mean, a horde hunter. I, I want something that at least has meat on the bones, and um, so I, I'm real happy with the buck um, that I shot. I actually thought I was shooting at the same buck, but it, it, it was a different buck. So the the buck I missed is still alive and well, and hopefully will be uh, bigger and uh, ready to die next year for me. But um, I think I learned something from that. I mean, you try to you try to take something from every hunt. Mm -hmm. And what I learned from that, you know, and you did, you pointed that out to me and I think I heard, uh, I think it was Chuck Adams. I want to say I read him or heard him say this many, many, many moons ago that you take the first ethical shot that you're comfortable taking. You take that very first shot, the moment it, it uh, that shot, uh, presents itself, take it right away if, that, if that's an animal you want take that shot right away because the longer you let it play out the more difficult the shot be becomes and it, like you said on that first one if i would have been i i seen that doe come that hot doe come in and that buck was on her tail and if i would have shot him right away the right when he showed up on the scene i mean who knows i'm playing uh arm arm yeah, armchair yeah. quarterback but i was relaxed he didn't know i was there there was no mishaps there there was no he didn't have a little lingering of my scent in the air you know what i mean yeah. it, it, he he was uh pretty ruddy at that point and i could have just probably had a, a shot at a much more relaxed deer and then hindsight i passed him up and an hour later shot at him and he was all wound up and so i i think 
there's something to be said about taking that shot like this time. As soon as that buck showed up, I was like, I'm not going to waste no time. As soon as he comes through, take care of business. Yeah. And, and the, you know, shooting at him walking, like I said, I, the worst, I have had the worst time with bucks jumping the string. And I don't know what it is. I, I was talking to my buddy Brian about it because, you know, he was sitting right there next to me. And I know 39 yards is a long shot. Um, I kind of, that's kind of my limit. I, I go to 40 and a lot of guys won't even shoot that far. So I know that's part of it on that, that shot I just made last week, but he said, you know what? It wasn't the sound, you know? Cause I'm like, man, I don't know if it's the sound of the feathers or the bow or, you know, I make a angry face and it scares them when I shoot, but I have been, there's been so many deer that that's happened to me and elk, you know, like even at closer ranges. And, and he was saying, he's like, I bet it was your feathers. You know, I shoot, three white feathers when I'm barred and I, you know, Andy pretties them all up. They're dipped in, you know, they got a white cresting and everything's all white. Well, I can see them. They're like a flag flying out there. I love that, you know, but that deer, you know, now that you think about it, like it didn't take off until my arrow was almost there. Literally it just like turned away right as it was going in there, you know? And, and, uh, he said, you know, maybe try a darker, you know, a little more, I've always Normal worried colored about feathers. So I think I'm going to try that next year. I'm going to, I'm going to do some maybe natural Turkey feathers and then just do like a white knock, you know, cause that might be the ticket. Cause I've always shot those bright white feathers. And I talked to all the other trad guys and guys that have been doing it way longer than me. And, and it doesn't seem to be as big of an issue. I mean, it happens to everybody. Like you said, your buck, the, you know, obviously it didn't see it coming. It was just keyed up, you know, and they jumped the string that happens. I've had it happen back in the compound days. I got a bull on video. I killed it 28 yards and, uh, and he dropped when I let go and my arrow hit him in the spine, you know, and dropped him. And I always thought before I watched that video, I thought I just, I just made a terrible shot. You know, it was like 25 yards. I remember guys being like, well, why'd you hit him in the back? I'm like, I don't know. I screwed up, you know? Well, then I watched it in slow motion. And even back then, you know, I was, I think I was 21. I was shooting carbon arrows out of like an 80 pound, 70 pound Hoyt. And it was, I mean, how fast does that thing shoot faster than you can believe? And, and you can put your finger on the video. And from the time I let go, I mean, my arrow hit right where it was supposed to. He just dropped that far out of the way. But, but like I said, that was from the sound of it. I mean, you could tell as yeah, soon as my I've bow watched. went off, he turns his head to go. But this, yeah, this buck I've watched the other night. It wasn't the sound. It was like, you know, our bows now are shooting so slow. He's like watching up there on the hill, and oh, here it comes. Like, oh, huh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna let that thing hit me, and it steps out of the way. So, anyway, yeah, I mean, I know that that buck that I missed uh, opening night he before i'd shot at him i had uh rubbed my boot against my stand and made uh you know a noise and he fully did the drop spin run drop the string movement where he dropped his chest to the ground did a 180 and ran out and stopped and i hadn't even shot an arrow yet and he was he was displaying that uh that behavior so i mean it's definitely it's it's not i don't think they i really don't believe they think they're getting out of the way of an arrow oh no yeah. i i believe that it's just a natural reaction to to uh uh to uh, they drop t- yeah they're to, going to, to take get, off they got to get some spring yeah, in their legs to get the hell out of there for sure to get the hell out of there and what happens is when you're shooting from uh especially an elevated position they drop a little bit and that arrow goes right over their back and and you miss and so i don't think it's necessarily though i've always been 
a little cautious of that all white feather setup mm-hmm. that you run just because I know that the deer yeah those that white tail white, flicker flag yeah, yeah that white flag it seems like that but who knows I know a lot of a lot of guys uh, run that setup so um I don't know I, I know um this this shot ended up being really good I I was shooting uh uh my uh blacktail Colombian longbow uh, 52 pounds at 30 inches. I was shooting a Doug fur Sherwood shaft, 7580, uh, four fletch, uh, true flight, four inch, four fletch feathers with a, uh, razor sharp grizzly 155, uh, single bevel. And I, Came in high, second rib back, and I exited low armpit right before the leg. And I took, I put a huge wound channel through the uh, liver, put a, like, stick your four fingers through the liver, both lungs, and then I split, split open the bottom of the heart. Wow. So, yeah, I pretty much i just i wrecked his day (laughs) yeah yeah i I took all the goodies and so that explained why he died running i suppose yeah that's awesome man so my confidence is pretty high now i'm like (laughs) that's good you gotta keep that up that's the most important part of bow hunting is that confidence you gotta i was telling uh my buddy his his youngest son you know he missed a couple shots with his compound while he was over there and and, uh, i told him i said man you should you should know when you pull back that arrow that you're going to you're going to kill that thing. I mean that should be the only thing going through your head. I said if you have any doubt, if you're thinking that you might hit that branch or you're thinking that you're not going to be able to squeeze it around that bush or you don't know, then you're going to miss it. You know, it's not going to happen. And I said, you know, he's younger, he's 14 and I said when I was your age, I used to get up before school and shoot my bow i'd shoot my bow after that's all i did and so right now you don't have all the experience to to have that confidence you know you can't replay all the shots you've made over in your head and be like that's how you do it that's how you do it you have to have your you know you have to have that practicing down that's where you get your confidence from just that practice so next year when you come back i don't want to hear well i drew back but i didn't i didn't know if i could you know I, i didn't think i could get it around the the bush or, you know, there's a bush in the way. I mean, you know, that, that I don't know stuff. It should be pretty simple. Like I, I know a hundred percent, I can't get an arrow through there. Done. You know, you let down that. I don't know stuff can't be happening. You, that's up to yeah. you. You got to be practiced enough to know exactly yeah. where your arrow is going to go at all times. And, and it doesn't go there, you know, every time, especially us being traditional bow hunters, but you should be confident that that's where it's going to go. You know, I mean, that stuff happens, but yeah, and I think that you should, like uh, Joel Turner. You know, I'm a student of his, and he talks about. Uh, I think he calls it neurological programming. It's it's basically it's talking to yourself, and I think uh, having a routine and setting yourself up for the for uh, success. And I think everybody handles it differently, and I think everybody does talk to themselves. I mean, if you're going to jump out of an airplane you're going to find yourself talking yourself into it like okay i'm i'm here i go i'm going to jump out of this airplane 
whatever it is, you, you know, when you're in high know. stress situ- situations. I, I begged. I mean, I, I know Joel does a lot of good things for a lot of guys, but I'm, I, I'm different in that arena. I see it totally different. I don't know. So you're not talking yourself down or saying anything at all, like to calm yourself or, I mean, you're, you don't have any thoughts nope. in your head. Nope. When that buck comes in or that elk comes in, I'm just picking a spot. That's the one so, thing. If, so you're telling I, yourself to it's pick It's like a, a spot. tunnel vision. It's like a tunnel vision. I'm just looking right there. That's all. Like I take out, I can kind of peripheral see what his head's doing, whatever's going on, but I'm not paying attention to that. All I'm paying attention but, to but is are, where that are, arrow goes. But are you, are you telling yourself, okay, I need to pick a spot. There's my spot. I'm picking my spot. That's the spot I want. I'm not I mean, that's, telling myself anything. I'm just looking there. You know what I mean? Like I, I think there's, like you said, there's a million ways to do it, right? There's yeah. There's guys that, you know, like we talked to Dick, and Dick was having some issues, and he's saying one, two, three, you know, like. Right. But for me, I've been fortunate enough to be shooting a bow since I was a little kid, like since I could walk, you know. And, right. And I've drawn it back to the same place a million times enough to where I shouldn't have to tell myself. And when I replay my shots over, I don't remember – really anything about my shot. I don't remember easing the back muscles and tensioning this and my clicker going, I don't remember any of that. I just remember picking that spot. And then I remember seeing my arrow just fly through that spot. Oh, and I feel like that's you're, from, you're lucky because when I used to use that routine and that's how I did, did it for years, that always resorted in me missing or me, uh, making a bad shot. And I wouldn't remember nothing except for I blew it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but so I now, also think that maybe that's because the practice wasn't there. And I mean, I'm, I'm talking uh, like years of practice. Like, no, I, I shoot I, crazy I, amounts. I went crazy through the amounts. training for our fire department stuff, right? You know, I was a plumber for a long time. I got into the fire department. It was super hard to get into. Well, you have like a year long where I, where I work. It's a year long of just hell. And you do everything a million times. And they tell you, we're going to take a hydrant. A million times. That means, uh, you know, getting out and wrapping the hose around and opening up a hydrant. And they and they tell you we'll do it enough to where two years from now, even if you don't do it for two years, you can go out at three in the morning after not sleeping all night, and you'll know exactly what to do, and you won't have to think about it. And it's right. Yeah. I mean, I've done that enough I, to where I, I can sh- be. I can not sleep for four days, and I can. We can pull up to a fire, and I can jump off the rig. And you can do it in your sleep. And that's kind of the routine I go after. And I get it. Knock on wood, wherever some wood is around here. I'm lucky I haven't had the buck fever and the target. But I don't even want to talk about that stuff. But yeah. but for me, that's just how that's how I do it. I don't know. No, like I, I just I I I attend uh, a fair. I I honestly attend. We do four 3D shoots here locally. Two dayers. So that's eight. Pope and Young nine, I go to ten. I do about sixteen to eighteen three D shoots where I'm shooting a couple hundred arrows at these things. I have three D targets in my yard. I shoot every single day. I mean, every single day. Season's over. I still I'm shooting every single day. I shoot every single day of the year. I have an I have an alarm in my head that says it's going to be dark soon, and. <laughs> And I run outside and I shoot one, two, three, four, twenty, thirty arrows. Um, I've got a, a year-round 3D course up the road from my house that has a 28 elk target course and a 28 
a big game course and a 28 small game course. And I'm a member there. And I go there just for exercise. I go run through the course and shoot, 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 shoot. I mean, I shoot like a fiend. So <laughs> let me tell you, like, uh, I go through, I've gone through three dozen wood arrows since I switched to woods this spring. I go through about six dozen arrows a year from breaking them and losing them and flinging them. And, uh, no, I, trust me, Bob, I, I shoot, I shoot my bow like, uh, like a crackhead does crack. <laughs> well, and see, you know, for a long time, I, I shot a lot growing up, but I tore my shoulder back when I was 20. And so, you know, I still don't shoot that much. You know, I, for me, the, those 3d shoots, I've never, I haven't been able to do them for so long because of my shoulder that stump shooting and and still to this day, stump shooting is just like my favorite practice. Yeah. Um, so I, like you said, there's, there's several ways to do it. I suppose and everybody's got their too. way. I've got, um, I, I live out here on 40 acres and it's a uh, re it's reprod and there's, we got big old cedar stumps everywhere. And so I've got like the awesome stumping spot. And so no shooting is a huge part of my life. I'm big into shooting the bow. So, I mean, I, I think the big thing for me is, you know, like you say, everyone's different is being able to focus on, the back end of the shot, what's happening with me during the shot and not what the animal's doing. I don't even pick a spot. Uh, I, I, I actually do the opposite of what you do. I, I let my subconscious pick the spot and the alignment and all that works itself out uh, up front. I worry about the back half of the shot uh, of what I'm doing, and that's where my, my mind's at, so I'm not worried about what the animal's doing. And for me... I also found something to add to that that helped me. And I, I talked to a lot of guys that say they talk themselves down. They're like, oh, it's just a dairy cow or, you know, um, <laughs> that, that, that's just a, it's just a target. I'm going to pinwheel it. Uh, for me, I actually have to get – and I, I'm not a, like a, an, a real aggressive person, but I'm actually like Mr. Buck. You're not going to make a fool of me. You're going to die. I'm going to kill you. Like I, 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 I kind of jack myself up like, and I find that that just gets me laser focused. Uh, you know, I almost pretend like this elk has got a gun and he's going to shoot back. <laughs> like I'm out, I'm out war. And, yeah. and that, that for whatever reason, that just does it for me. And so, you know, I'm just kind of sharing that because I know, uh, I, I went through a, a long stretch where, you know, I almost quit because the the target panic and uh, the buck fever uh, was, was so uh, intense. And and the biggest thing, though, is breathing. Uh, four, four seconds in the nose, four seconds out the mouth. A lot of guys, they when they talk about that shaking and buck fever, it really comes down to uh, lack of oxygen and allowing their heart rate to get out of control. And if you can just remember to take some deep breaths, boy, you can really be uh, uh, present and make some uh, s- some some decisions. You know <laughs> where, where where your brain is working. You know you stop breathing, and it's all downhill from there. So I, I, for any anyone that's listening. That is uh, from from my uh, camp, where you know, meaning that they've they've suffered on uh, the buck fever and 
just breathe, man. Take take four seconds in the nose, four seconds out the mouth. Breathe and make a conscious decision to make a perfect shot, and it, it, it works wonders. Yeah. For all you other guys out there, knock on wood that that crap never happens to you because it sounds like <laughs> a damn mess. <laughs> it can it can be. Uh, uh, Bob Bob's superstitious. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, just lucky, uh, I guess. Uh, better better lucky than good. I, that's that's, right. that's for sure. So, well, um, yeah, I'm super depressed. No uh, no buck tag in my pocket. Blacktail season is still going. Um, the rut was a really strong and aggressive rut this year. My friends that are out hunting, uh, my buddy Chris Tipton killed a really nice buck. Uh, I think the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, that thing uh, was a hog, man. That's awesome. Yeah, and nice he job, said the Chris. rut rut was going super strong, and 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 he's been out scouting a bunch. I've been out a few times, and I've noticed that. Uh, the rut seems to be just really uh, productive this year and that the bucks are still out chasing does and I'd give anything to to get back in the game. I've been researching uh, hunting Alaska and hunting Washington and Yeah, it only uh, takes a only takes a couple days for your season to end and you're already just planning for next year. I know I am for elk and everything else. Uh, you know, I got a couple buddies out hunting blacktails and it's been pretty grim up here, man. There's just not many left. They even had some early snow, and uh, yeah, yeah. Scott Lucina said that he's been having a heck of a time. I've been talking to him daily, and and he's pretty optimistic that uh, it's gonna uh, pick back up for him. Uh, he's had good luck in the first week of December, yeah, and he's hoping that uh, things are gonna change. He's been seeing a lot of nighttime activity, driving home at night, seeing bucks chasing does at night, and stuff like that. So. Uh, I'm I'm pulling for Scott big time and kind of living vicariously through uh, him and a few of my other buddies that are still out there grinding it in the blacktail woods. And you you didn't even go hunt blacktails this year. No, I'm probably not going to make it. You know, it's tough when you're when you're gone for eight days and home for a week and then gone for another ten. It's hard to get Mama to be okay with you taking off and going hunting some more. So yeah, it's hard hard to be home. It's hard for it to be season and not be hunting, but I got a pile of stuff to do. I only have four and days, got, four days off. You got two blacktail buck tags mm-hmm. in your pocket. Uh, one of which is an extra draw tag that takes like three or four years to get. So yeah, I wish, uh, I wish my name was, uh, Bob Borland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's only do what I can. It's hard to. Hard to get out. Yeah, I could gotta, go all every day. It'd be nice, but mom yeah, won't gotta, let me. You got to choose your battles wisely. <laughs> yeah, we have a pretty good. Oh, I don't know. I guess I don't know what to call it, but agreement. We do pretty good. So, I pretty much take the whole month of September off, and then I get a couple weeks beside that to hunt running bucks. So can't complain too much, right? Six weeks is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and you're getting you're getting two. Uh... Uh, away from home uh out of town late season deer hunts and uh back to back i mean that's that's pretty awesome and i i think did you did you get one or two white tail tags just one just one well I, i'll, I'll I see, be lucky to get one <laughs> no no i see a, i see a nice big white tail buck in your future yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see get man back. I've, I've never been on a hunt 
you know, we kind of got invited on this hunt. So I've never been on a hunt that I haven't put it all together. You know, it's all, I'm always the one putting them all together. And I, by this time I would have looked at 10,000 maps and talked to a million people and had done all that good stuff, but I'm just kind of going along with this one. So, um, just along for the ride. Yeah, so that, I feel like I've, I'm, I've never done that either. Yeah. I don't really know what's going on, but I'll just get there and spend a day hunting around probably and look for some good areas to put up a stand and sit and freeze my butt off and hopefully I don't fall out this time. Yeah, yeah. make sure you make sure you don't uh uh cut those lower straps off your stand <laughs> or do anything crazy like yeah. that with your harness. Yeah, I won't do that anymore. Lesson learned. Well we'll we'll uh we'll do a recap uh when you get back because I know there's gonna be some awesome stories uh with uh Trent Wanger and Clay Hayes and Carson Brown and Andy Ponce and all those guys in camp. It's a pretty cool lineup of, uh, of hardcore bow hunters. And yeah, it I should think, be fun. Think, We're going to wall tent it. This last one, I was a little spoiled. We stayed in a hotel, so the wall tent will be good. Now I heard, I, I heard you guys are going to be wearing loincloths and hunting yeah, with self bows. It's a plan. I tried to get them to go teepees, just strict <laughs> old school teepees, but they, that I was joking. Maybe next year, if you come along, we'll ground us up a teepee, do this stuff for real. Do I'm gonna right. feel like I'm like, actually I'm gonna feel like a poser when I'm there. Half the guys are gonna be using self bows, and I'll be using this fancy laminated thing. I'm gonna feel like a little weenie while I'm there, but I'll I'll, I'll make it make do, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, we'll see. Uh, but 2018, I think, could be a, a self bow year for me i'm i'm gonna build my first one and i've got a if you guys haven't noticed i've got a real addictive uh all-in personality and i i have a mat i'm i'm imagining that i'm gonna get bit by the self bow uh bug as soon as i carve out my first one and uh especially having uh the influence of uh carson brown and uh John Strunk uh, and these guys around me, I, I imagine the self bow is going to be something I'm going to get pretty big into. So I'm excited to to get my first one uh, in my hands, and it should be should make 2018 interesting. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't break when you pull it back on a big bull. That's what'll happen probably. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be telling his story. Yep, I called in this big bull and pulled it back, and it snapped the nap. But you I know, don't know. You know, Carson said that he's only had like one or two break yeah. on him yeah, ever. That's Carson, not yeah. James or Bob Borland. <laughs> <laughs> we did, I did a class with John Strunk and Andy, you know. Uh, I think there was only two of them out of the ten that survived that one. So uh, I think I think it's like anything. Do it for a long time and your success is well, going to go up. But Andy – or. Uh, Carson said that out of his classes that he's lost very few of his uh, uh, of the bows, and so I mean I, I'm going to be working with the master. So yeah, hopefully, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> try, yep, try to stack stack works. all the odds in my favor. Yeah, if I did one, I think I'd want to do the sinew backing because I think that makes him bulletproof, from what I understand on the self bow deal, like. Yeah, I think or it sounds like quite the ordeal, but I think that makes them pretty bulletproof. Yeah, or I don't think it's—I don't know if they still consider it 
a self bow or not, but uh, Strunk does a lot of bamboo back. Yeah, I think uh, that's cheating. I would yeah. I wouldn't call that a self bow. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a still. It's like a laminated. Might as well use the laminated bow, you cheater. Yeah, yeah. He every time I run into that guy, he's got some beautiful. He has a different bow every time I see him, and it's always like over the top with like, like static recurve horn hooks. And I mean, man, that guy is—he's yeah. uh, an artist. Yep, and he's a lot of his bows because I always ask him the same thing. They've been around a long time. He's like, "Oh yeah, I've had this one. You know, I've shot this thousands of times." And then you're like, "Okay, well maybe I could do that." But yeah, we'll yeah. see. We're going to have to do uh, um, an episode just on self-bows and uh, talk to Carson and Clay and, and Strunk and, and these guys and put out an episode about yeah. it. Yeah, we'll do a couple of those in the off-season, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah and I th- we're, we've got a, a wood arrow episode coming out. So for all you guys that are already building your wood arrows or you're looking to uh, make the switch to wood arrows in 2018, uh, we're going to bring on um, Andy from Addictive Archery. He makes uh, some beautiful wood arrows, and we're going to talk wood arrows with Andy soon, so you guys can look forward to that one too. Heck yeah, and we'll try to keep them coming. Um, so we gone for a couple of weeks, but I'm going to try to get a couple of them edited and stuff. Sorry about last week when I was gone. Uh, our technology is not very good. And, yeah, uh, well, we skipped a week. James couldn't figure it out. <laughs> So yeah. anyway, I, I was hugging. Know I, was hu- doing. I was hugging the toilet a little bit last week too. Oh, the flu, right. the flu the ran flu through bug. my house. Yeah. So, so we're gonna try to get a couple set up so we don't miss any, and uh, yeah. we got some awesome guys coming on. So, we do. We've we've got some really special things uh, lined lined up for uh, the rest of the year and next year. We got some really cool stuff happening. Your guys' support. Um, you know, till then, for everyone that's out there still hunting, keep the wind in your face, pick a spot, and shoot straight. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Check us out on our website, tragquest.com. We're on social media. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have an awesome 2017 deer season. We look forward to hearing your guys' stories. Send us some pics on social media. Thanks a lot, guys.